0: Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. This is part three of our series called I Found My Faith. And I I just felt the Lord impressed for a while in my heart to to get into a series that we can just talk about, you know, discovering our faith again because of the circumstances of life and the challenges of life and the obvious things that we're facing today. And it's easy for us to kind of, kind of get weak in our faith or for us to, you know, kind of see it differently. We have some frustrations associated. We're, we're taught differently at times. We, we tend to respond in our own natural means and ability at times and those things just don't work. We need to go back to the, the true essence of faith and what it really means and where it comes from and faith is not necessarily a, a reaction to a hardship but a response to a relationship. And so we can't generate or create faith, if you will, in and of ourselves and uh, let me say it this way, you can't, for, for, to, for saving faith, you can't manufacture Enough faith in your heart to save yourself—you can't do that—and so it's it's the it's the gift of God. It's, a, it's it comes from God. It's a it's being persuaded on who God is in Jesus, and so what He's done for our heart and our life. And it's that relationship or a response to what He's done that that brings saving faith into your life, You changed forever. I want to just encourage you that as we walk through this series, I hope that you can come through all the installments and just get the overall picture that we want to make sure that you understand, you know, really the essence of our faith is being persuaded that God is who he says he is. And it comes from an ongoing, growing relationship with him. And so we need to make sure we, we keep that connection. I, I want to share a few things this morning, starting by 1039. The writer in Hebrews is writing to first century Christians that are experiencing great uh, just persecution. They, they came to the Lord Jesus. They know Jesus as a Messiah, that Jesus is God, and that was just a foreign message of the day. They were following God through a set of laws and rules and works in their own ability. They have a couple things working against them. Number one, they're occupied by Rome, and Rome is always against them, keeping them oppressed. And then number two, when they, when they come and follow the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus has already come and been crucified and resurrected and ascended to heaven and believing him as God and Messiah, and that's faith now. Not based on works. Then now they're being persecuted by the religious crowd as well, and it just went from worse to worser, <laughs> what want. or more worse. It's not good. It's not good right there at all, at all. And so they're really struggling. So the writer is trying to encourage them. So he says this in ten thirty nine. He says, "But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith or divinely persuaded, and therefore preserve their soul." And then we're in chapter eleven, which really chapter eleven helps us understand some principles of faith, because now the writer is going into chapter eleven, and he's bringing all the ancient heroes of faith and using their life to teach them how to maintain their faith in difficult times. You know, and I was getting ready as Thursday. I told you um, that song, "Great Is My Faithfulness," and then Thursday night he came to rehearsal and said, "Let's do the song." And I was meditating on that passage of scripture. And normally we look in Lamentations for that scripture reference in verses 21 through 26. I, I read that earlier, but I just really felt the Lord said, hey, look a little bit further ahead or, or before that. And I came across this scripture, just a couple of scriptures before verses 17 and 18. It says this, my soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. And so as my hope from the Lord today, I want to talk about how to have enduring faith, I mean, that was my title from the beginning, or really, uh, not my title, but my theme from the beginning, and then I just was focusing on that. It's easy for your endurance to perish because of circumstances and challenges around about us, but the hero of faith we'll look at today, Moses, lives a life, good seasons, bad seasons, moments, things happening all the time. He's one of the better known heroes in the scripture, but Moses had an enduring faith. How? Is that possible? So the writer is writing to the first century Christians and telling him the hero of faith in their culture. Moses was one of the greatest heroes of all. He went through difficult times. And so let's take a look and see how he was able to endure. You know, endurance is not like a a super popular topic, right? You don't go like, I want to go listen to a talk on enduring. (laughs) It's like, stay with it. Don't quit. Give up. Work harder. Come on. Keep going. You know. We don't, we, don't, we don't sell books that way. We don't pack out buildings that way. We, you know, we don't typically have those discussions because people know that endurance is developed and it takes time and you got to go through pain and you got to go over and over and it's every day and it's not that attractive. It's not like super fun and I want to go hear that talk on. I want to hear that series on endurance. I want to hear that talk. And, and so, but it's funny to me because I know that endurance isn't the most popular topic because of what it, what it denotes, but it's what we all want. Let me give you an example. My my wife and uh, I—you know—we've been married 23 years, and um, can I tell you that's that's a big deal. That's an achievement. 23 years, over two over two decades. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Thank you, you're applauding for my wife. Man, God bless you. How'd you do that, right? <laughs> it was like, uh, but you know what? After being married for 20 years and walking through all that, I just, this kind of sounds kind of funny, but I think it's super cool because now I'm walking up and I meet people almost almost even want to just meet strangers on the street and say, hi, I'm Don. I've been married 20 years, bless you. <laughs> you know, like that. It's like, it's this kind of cool thing because it doesn't seem like it happens much. And, and I've been on staff. I don't know if you know this, but in June, I, I, I celebrated my 28th year on staff. 28 years I've been on staff at this church. Can you believe that? I know. It's like, it looks like I've never aged. I, I was hired as an infant. I don't know, but I like to go to places and see people and pastors' meetings and ministry events and stuff like that. And, and I got to be careful. I'm not trying to be prideful and stuff, but I'm so excited. I've almost been 30 years in ministry, full time ministry. And I like walk up to people and introduce myself Hi, I'm Don from Tree Alive, 30 years of ministry. God bless you. It's nice to meet you. Right, so I was like, And now I find myself wanting to just give advice unsolicited. You don't ask me anything, but I want to give you advice on it because, hey, what I've learned in 23 years of marriage, are, and it's an easy way to clear out a room, right? And just that kind of thing. But there's just something about, like, it's, we don't want to listen to endurance, but we all think it's cool, and we all think it's kind of a neat thing. And let me say it this way. If you're, if you're an employer... And you're hiring someone, you're going to look at how many jobs they've had in the last five years, right? <laughs> That's the longest you've spent at a job. And it's like, you know, that kind of thing. Or let me say this because I have two uh, single girls. Like, if you're dating somebody, <laughs> find out how many people they've dated before you, right? <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I mean, you kind of gone through right there. I mean, you, where, where's your stick to it kind of thing? And it sounds funny, but the reality is there's a stick to it that we need to develop and endure, especially when things get hard. And they're telling the first century Christians that are under such persecution that, hey, Moses faced things like this, Moses that we celebrate, Moses that's one of our greatest heroes, but he had to endure some things to get there. And so he starts to take his life, pull out some moments and events to help us understand what it takes to have enduring faith. Uh, The title of my message actually is Stick to It. Right? We need that, stick-to-itiveness we, that stick, it, stick to in us. That stick-with-it, stick-to-it. Where is that gone anymore? And we need to be people. We're the stick-to-it people. We're the stick-to-it church. This, this church we just celebrated 39 years. 39 years of sticking to it. Sticking with it, right? Doesn't matter what's happening around about us. We're going to stick to it and, and to make sure that we're doing the things that we need to be doing to do that. And the reality is, and I think this is funny too, because I, I'm this guy. I don't know if you're this guy, but if I'm going to go somewhere and get my car worked on, well, how long have you been doing this, right? Oh, you're my first car. I just... <laughs> I just was Googling how to repair this, right? Or whatever, right? I just YouTubed it. First time cutting my hair, right? How long have you been, hair? How long have you been doing hair? Oh, you're my first client, right? I just watched a YouTube video or whatever. No, no way. I'm good. I got to go home. My wife's going to cut my hair right now. Right? How long she cut hair? She hasn't, but we've been married 23 years, right? We can work through it. So it's like this whole idea of you want a doctor. How long have you been a doctor? How long have you been doing this? How long have you been a dentist? Before you get in my mouth with that drill and those sharp things, how long have you been doing this? It's this thing in us. And I think that when we look at it in the context of faith and our relationship God, with God, it really opens our eyes up to the, the power of endurance. And so let's apply it to our lives. Let's apply it to our faith today. And let's find out how Moses was able to endure the many situations that he had to endure and still maintain his faith. And I think if we all we all would agree that a little more stick to it in our lives is a good thing. A little more stick to it and our relationship with God is a good thing. And so uh, I'm going to read for you uh, Hebrews 11:23 through 27, then we'll go back and talk about some different aspects of it. So by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he was endured, or he endured, rather, as seeing him who is invisible. Verse 27, he endured. Moses endured. Now, let me just remind you what our definition of faith is, our working definition. And it is, faith is from a Greek word meaning persuaded, Faith meaning persuaded. Faith is not something you're trying to create, manufacture, conjure up. It is a response to someone. And faith is our response or being fully persuaded to God through Jesus. And and we looked at Abraham last week, so we can say it this way, by faith Abraham or by persuasion Abraham. Moses today, by faith Moses or by persuasion Moses. Now who is doing the persuading? Is Moses persuading Moses? Moses is not persuading Moses. He's being persuaded by God. And let me just say, this tree of life does not exist for people to come so we can convince them logically that there's a God, so you need to accept them and start serving, right? That's not why we're here. We're here to create environments so people that come in can be persuaded by God, amen? Because if I can convince you or persuade you, then someone can unconvince you or unpersuade you. So if God is God, then let God be God. And God is good at being God. And so if we come and create environments, then let God persuade you himself. Amen. So all we know to do is just create an environment where God can be revealed and persuade you of who he is in your life or who he can be. And I think that's important for us to understand because we uh, we try and do the persuading in our own. But, you know, God is good at being who he is. So we just need to let them do that. And it's not like, you know, I think sometimes we'll, we get this like feelings like, oh, they're not getting there. Sing another song, right? <laughs> they're not getting, I don't think they're there yet. Pastor Cody, get another song on there. Let's do another chorus yet. Or, you know, that's why pastors close like five, six times. I'm closing now. Okay. I'm going to close now with this one. No, really. I'm going to close with this one. because we feel like they're not getting it yet. The more we talk, the more we're going to convince them. Throw another video up there. They're not convinced yet. You know, it's not it is God is fully capable of convincing you or persuading you himself of who he is, amen? And so we need to let God be God and be fully persuaded by God himself. And so there's these accounts that we find in the scripture where God is revealing himself and they're being fully persuaded. That's what happened to the first century, the Christians, and now they're kind of wavering a little bit. And really it's almost as if the writer of Hebrews is not just saying remember, but he's saying, let God persuade you again. Let God reveal himself to you again. Let him show his, himself strong to you again. And I love that picture of God. Um, if you want to endure you know, life, it has to be founded in God's persuasion in your life. We need God to persuade us. Hebrews eleven 23. Let's go back to the beginning of this particular passage of scripture we pulled out. By persuasion, Moses. Now listen to this. This is how the first century... This is how the writer of Hebrews is addressing the first century Christians. Here's what I want you to know about persuasion on Moses' life, one of the greatest heroes. And they'll know Moses' life because every child, every teenager back in that day had to study the law, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, Moses wrote. So they would know better than we would with even the information that we have about Moses' life. So here's how he chose to start. By persuasion, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents Because they saw the child was beautiful. Now, that's kind of funny. Oh, it was a cute little baby, right? And that's not what they're talking about right here. It's like, well, that's not fair because some babies may not be, they're always beautiful with their mom and dad, right? And so it's not like, and that's weird because by faith, Moses, when he was born, right? Moses had faith to be born. No, he's not talking about that. But he's talking about what happened at the birth of Moses. They saw the child was beautiful. They saw this child was graced different. There's something about this child. And let me say it this way. Moses was God's miracle baby, Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus. And so just as Moses was God's miracle baby, Jesus is God's miracle baby. We can say it that way. Clearly, the first thing the writer wants you to know is that Moses was a miracle baby. Moses grew up being persuaded that he was a miracle. Moses knew his story. Moses was a miracle and believed he was a miracle. Another translation says this. They saw God had given them an unusual child. That could go either way, but yet I thought it was kind of interesting. Okay. The tree of life translation says this. That they saw that God had given them an extraordinary child. The Amplified says that the child was beautiful and divinely favored. He was graced. He was gifted something special about the boy. Are you persuaded today that you are a miracle? Do you believe that you are a miracle? Moses was a miracle and Moses believed he was a miracle as we'll see. we see in the story. Do you know what gave Moses that little stick to it? Do you know what gave Moses endurance? Moses believed he was a miracle and he believed he was chosen. Do you believe that you're a miracle? Do you believe that you're chosen of God? Do you believe God has carefully crafted your life? Do you believe that there's been times God hid you and kept you from danger? If you start walking around and talking like you're a miracle, then you'll probably have a little bit more stick to it. But you got to believe that. You got to believe that, right? You're a miracle and you should think about that more. You should think about being a miracle. I, I, some of you would say, I wouldn't even be here today. If we ask your grandma, your grandma will say, that's a miracle they're still on the planet. There's more to it than that. But listen, you're a miracle. The Bible says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, crafted in the womb. God created you. Maybe the reason your endurance is running low is because you think you're just run of the mill. Can I tell you, God doesn't do run of the mill. If you think you're ordinary, you think you're nothing special, you think you're normal, just like everyone else, God doesn't do that. He doesn't do normal. He doesn't do ordinary. He doesn't do run of the mill. You're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. He designed you, wired you, chose you, formed you, created you, crafted you, gifted you. You're called, you're chosen, a royal priesthood. You're in the world, but not of the world. You may say, not me, I wasn't born that way, to which I would say, maybe not, but you were born again that way. You were reborn that way when you gave your heart to Christ. Come on, somebody. You're a miracle of God. And Moses knew he was a miracle of God. Moses grew up knowing that he was chosen of God. Maybe if we started walking around acting like we're chosen of God, not like super arrogant or whatever, but we know with the confidence of who we are, maybe we'll have a little bit more endurance for the challenges that come in life. And that's what he's telling the first century Jews. And he's tying it together because he said, because the edict of the king, they, they hid him from the edict of the king. Well, well, Pharaoh wasn't a king. He's not referring to Pharaoh. He's trying, Pharaoh, he's trying to pull, he's trying to pull in that Moses' life and Jesus' life together and their life together. Hey, this doesn't matter if it's when Moses walked the earth with Pharaoh. This is still true today. And so all throughout this passage, we'll see the writer of Hebrews, uh, bringing in all that, that story from thousands of years ago and tying it into their day through different words and then in our day too. And so, Moses was fully persuaded that he was a miracle. You want to endure? You want to, you want to stick to it, stick with it? Then you need to be fully persuaded that you're God's miracle. And I wonder, if you, I wonder if you leave church today believing that. I wonder if that would change your perspective of what's happening in your life today. Moses was persuaded. Hebrews 11, goes on to say this. By faith, being fully persuaded, being persuaded, Moses, when he was grown up, refused. Now, listen, if he knew his life, he knew where he came from. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ tying Moses' life into their life today, or their day our life, he considered the reproach of Christ, how they treated him, how they persecuted how Jesus didn't live. Jesus left heaven, the palace of heaven to come to the earth to be and live like you and I did. Greater wealth than the treasures of heaven, to live for God greater than the world. For he was looking to the reward, whether it was on the planet or where he went to heaven one day. He said, by divine persuasion, Moses. Gave up everything in the palace. He didn't didn't want to live that way. He didn't want to walk that way. It's like he went to Pharaoh. It's like he said, these robes, I'm tired of these royal purple robes. I hate the color purple, right? These jewels. Get them off me. I don't like these diamonds. I don't like these jewels and stuff. And come on, are you serious? This palace is just too big. I don't want to live here anymore. And by the way, don't ever call me your son again, right? It's it's like we're looking at these verses 24, 25, and 26. But you know what? If the first century Jews or Christians are, are reading this story in Hebrews, they're thinking, wait a minute, I don't remember ever seeing that in Moses' life in Exodus. like Exodus speaks about Moses' life, right? And so it's like, when did Moses ever come and say, like, Pharaoh, I'm not... It's like this, you're you're, you're looking for a story where Moses just kicks in the, the palace or throws open the palace doors and marches into Pharaoh and says, you can keep your royal robes and all these jewels. You can keep your fancy foods and you can keep your opulent palace and all that. I'm going to go and eat soup and wear rags and be with the slaves and with my people. I don't want this anymore. You don't see a moment like that. Never like that. I mean, you don't see that. Well, what's the writer saying? He's like, when you look at Moses' life, he was making choices every day, every day. Was he going to be pulled into this living for something beyond god living for the moment living for what felt good right because the scripture says that he resisted the pleasures of uh, pleasures of sin that were fleeting it says that he didn't he, he didn't he didn't just it, just live with all this comfort for him or making selfish choices and 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 so what what moses is life is telling us through the writer here is, listen, endurance isn't just this big moment that all of a sudden, like, well, I'm facing this big battle, and I just got to stick to it, and I know I'm going to do it, and I I know there's this battle, and I'm going to get through it, and all of a sudden, the enemy's attacking the enemy, the enemy's attacking me, and I I just got to stand, and I'm there, and I I did it, I did it, and people, wow, how'd you do that? I endured that time. Listen, we think endurance is for a moment, for a battle. Endurance is a lifetime. It's Moses waking up every single day saying, yep, I really don't belong here, this really isn't for me, it's really, nothing to it. It's kind of empty. It's kind of over the top. It's just, I don't know. Okay. Hey, Pharaoh, how you doing? Hey, everybody. Yeah, I go to bed. Wake up the next day. Yeah. Oh, back in the palace again. Yeah, it's just really not for me. I'm just, you know, I just living for myself at the expense of everybody else. And I get to live this way. And nobody else does. And I don't, you know, I, I mean, my, my people over there are hurting. I, I want to spend, I want to be there with them. And then for you and I, it's like waking up every day. It's like in the morning. Hey, God, how are, how are you today? Okay. Yeah. I got to go to work. And, Kiss the kids on the way out, and it's like, hey, man, it's good to see you guys at work. Can I do anything for you? Okay, come home, eat, kiss the wife and kids, go to bed. The next day, wake up, hey, God, it's me again. And you know what that is? That's endurance. But that's not really exciting, right? But what the writer is saying that every day Moses was living his life by a set of values, and they weren't the worldly values, And because the worldly values were things that were fleeting and it might feel good for a moment. We might think we want that, but it wasn't lasting and it wasn't fulfilling. And it's something that I think the writer is explaining to you and I, as well as to those watching, you don't, you don't see this big moment and event that you need to endure a moment. You need to endure a lifetime. Every single day you're making decisions. What am I going to do today? Who am I going to follow today? I'm not going to, not going to do all this. I'm going to. I'm not going to live this way because this is just temporary. This is just a fleeting moment to feel good. And and I think it's important for us to understand this picture. Let's look at verse 25, Hebrews 11, 25 says this, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy. Listen to what it says, the fleeting pleasures of sin, living for the moment. Do you really want to develop endurance? Then you need to be fully persuaded that the pleasure of sin is fleeting, that the things of this world, because Egypt is a type of this world, Pharaoh is a type of this world, that those are fleeting. They may make you feel good for a moment, but that's not real life. we were chasing things that are fleeting instead of things that are fulfilling. We're chasing things that are fake instead of things that are real. and They may make you feel good for a moment, the writer's saying, but make no mistake about it, he's saying, it's fleeting. It's only going to feel good for a moment, and then you're going to be worse off than when you started. And we know that all to be true, right? He's saying, if you want to be fully persuaded then you need to be persuaded that the pleasure of sin is fleeting. It just happens for a moment. And people are like, and people are like, I wrote this down. People are like, I hate sin. Really? Because if you're doing it right, it's kind of fun. I mean, I don't know if you're doing, doing it wrong or right or whatever. And it is for a moment. That's what he's saying. Yeah, there's a pleasure for a moment. But then on the backside of that, man, it doesn't feel good at all. We've all been there. And it's like, I'm never going to do that. I don't want to do that again. I hate sin, but I keep going back to that. And the writer's saying, Moses every day made decisions like that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to engage in that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to embrace the world. I'll I'm, I'm make sure I know where I come from. I'll make sure I know who I'm following. I'm going to be fully persuaded that this is just a world of feel-good moment, and this isn't real, and this is fake, and this is fleeting, and I'm going to make sure I know who I am, and I'm going to be fully persuaded that that's just fleeting, but I want what's fulfilling. I want what's real. I want what God has and what God says, what God says for me. And the writer is saying, you don't see this moment that's listed in the Bible, but you look at 24, 25, and 26, and Moses was fully persuaded that God, was more real than the fleeting pleasures of sin so you want to endure he's saying you want to endure Then, like Moses be fully persuaded that there's something more real than the fleeting pleasures of sin make that decision every day you make a mistake you get back you make the next day you make a better decision it's for a moment but it's fleeting this fleeting this is fleeting and Moses says I don't want to give my life to what's fleeting I don't want to give my life to what's fake. I don't want to give my life to something that leaves me with nothing. I don't want what's fleeting. I want what's real, even if it's harder. I want what lasts. And so you know what we need to do? We need to ask God who persuaded Moses, persuaded Moses to resist the luxury, the wealth, the opulence the temptations of Egypt and all its opportunities and say, God, can you do it for me again? God, I need to be persuaded again. I'm making these mistakes that keep him all right here. And God said, I'm right here. I'm revealing myself to you. I haven't left you or forsaken you. Maybe that's our prayer. God, reveal yourself. Persuade me again. And let me just give you a tip this morning. If you don't feel very persuaded in this moment, find someone who seems like they are and get around them. And that is the beauty of groups. You're not going to walk this out successfully by yourself. I will guarantee you that. You need to get in groups. You need to find someone. It's like, I'm just, my, 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 my tank is a little empty right here on the resisting temptation. How's yours? Mine's pretty full right now. Hey, can I hang out with you for a while then? <laughs> and we'll, we'll manage this together. Let's be fully persuaded. Let's help, help each other find God and get around them. Let's take a look at verse 27 right here. It says, by faith being fully persuaded then, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. There it goes, that word, the king again. He's kind of tying it to the modern day times for them. For he endured, there's our key word, as seeing him who is invisible. He left Egypt not being afraid, the writer of Hebrews says. And to the first century Jews who studied Moses' whole life, they would say, yeah, I'm not really sure that's true. Because I remember the stories a little different for you and I I'd say, I saw a prince of Egypt. Moses was pretty scared. Right when he left. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying he was unafraid. And the first century Christians are like, yeah, that's not what we were taught growing up. I think you need to check that. So go to Exodus 2, verses 11 through 15. This is a a, a look at Moses' life in Exodus. One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens and saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people, he looked this way and that, looked all around him, seeing no one, making sure no one was there. He struck down, killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When Moses went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together, kind of fighting. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? Moses And then the man answered Moses, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Moses heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. Wait a minute. I thought the Hebrew writer said Moses was unafraid. And yet in Exodus, we see the story of Moses that he was afraid. Is this a contradiction in the Bible? Well, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. So the writer in Hebrews is trying to get something across to you and I. He's trying to tell us something. Um, about Moses' life. The first century Jews knew the story. Moses was afraid, but the writer trying to tell them there was fear. There definitely was fear there. And let me say this, a lot of people believe a life of endurance, a life of divine persuasion is the absence of fear in your life, and that's not true. And fear, sometimes sometimes fear is the beginning of faith. Makes you depend on a God greater than yourself. What am I going to do but trust God in that moment? And so the writer's saying, yeah, hey, it's okay. You have some fear. Moses had fear. You have fear right now because you're being persecuted. You're being executed. You're being kicked out of your homes and out of your businesses. There's always a little fact to your fear. You're, you Rightly so. How am I going to live? How am I going to provide for my family? And what he's saying is, but you can't live there. And what you have to do is be fully persuaded, even though you're afraid to be fully persuaded, but your God, that your God is more real than your fear. Because what it says in verse 27, if you'll put 27 up there, look what it says. It says, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What's the writer saying? Moses was afraid, but he came to the conclusion that God was more real than his fear. So he kept his eyes on the invisible God and chose to trust him and follow him. And I would say today that your God is more more real than the fear you may be facing. And we all have fears. And let me say it this way. Hey, listen, listen, pastor, but you don't know that. The fear's mine. Hey, if you have fear in your life, welcome to the planet. And I'm not trying to minimize or belittle your fear. I have a long list of fears, especially as leadership and COVID and all that. But can I tell you, I am fully persuaded, even though I have fears, I am fully persuaded that my God is more real and more big and more strong and more great and more mighty than the fear that I face on this earth. So even though Moses was dealing with some fear, he was fully persuaded. He kept his eyes on the invisible God. And I just want to encourage you today, keep your eyes on God because here's the thing, what you focus on, you feed. What you feed grows. So it's almost as if God's saying, right here, Moses, right here. Come on, right here. No, 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 I know, I know. Pharaoh's going to come, his men's going to come. They're going to look for it right here. I got you. It's almost as if your fear in your life and God's saying, hey, it's okay. I got you right here. But God, you don't know I have this and this COVID and, and all this stuff going on. Uh, it's okay, Don. I got you right here, right here. Come on. Keep looking at me. It's okay. It's okay. Keep looking at me. I'm just revealing myself to you. I'm just revealing myself to you. It's almost as if I'm saying, God, you need to persuade me again. Hey, that's okay. No problem. I'll reveal myself to you. I'm right here. Just keep looking at me. It's whatever you focus on, you feed and grows. God is bigger than your fear. God is mightier than your fear. God's more real than your fear. But where are you looking? It's almost like God's saying to all of us this morning. I hope, hope he's revealing himself that way. Right here, guys. Right here. I said this first service and a lady stopped me and she goes, man, I appreciate when you said that because I remember my dad teaching me how to ride a bike when I was a kid and I was afraid. And the dad's like, it's okay, honey. need are right here. Don't worry about that. Just keep looking right at me. And I said, it's exactly the picture we need to have that God, our heavenly father is saying, it's okay, son and daughter, right here. It's okay, miracle baby. Right here. It's okay, I got you right here. Because Moses looked at him who was invisible. Keep your eyes on God. He's revealing himself everywhere you are, everywhere you look. That's what God loves to do. He loves to reveal himself to you. And you might have to say that my fear is so strong right now. And I fed it. It's almost just like, you know, we don't sit down with our fear and say, Hey, hey, fear, pull up a seat. We got to talk for a little bit. You know, you're not really very nice. You just interrupt it, in just inopportune moments. I'm trying to do something. You no, know, can you calm on the scene? And it's like, can I tell you that we don't negotiate with our fear? We don't entertain our fear. We don't sit down with our fear. Sometimes we think we're going to get rid of our fear by focusing on it. No, that's not it at all. You get rid of your fear by focusing on God. And don't let anybody lie to you and say that if you have fear, you don't have faith. It's like the life of Abel. Don't anybody, who, who told you that if you have faith, nothing bad is ever going to happen in your life? Well, ask Abel. Cain killed him. But he, he made the Hall of Fame. And don't let anybody tell you that if you have faith... You'll always know what to do and where to go. Well, ask Abraham. He had no idea. But he's in the book. And don't let anybody ever tell you if you you have fear, you don't have faith. Well, ask Moses. But even in the midst of his fear, he kept his eyes on God. And he believed, fully persuaded, that his God was more real than his fear. So the writer of Hebrews is telling the first century Christians, and you and I today, Moses endured a lot of stuff. He's one of the greatest heroes of the Bible. And by his life, we can see that you and I need to think about, be about, so that we can have endurance in our faith. And he says, every single one of us needs to be fully persuaded that we are God's miracle baby. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you may not feel you were born that way, but you know what? You were reborn that way. You were born again that way. And then be fully persuaded, fully persuaded, that the pleasures of this life and of this world are fleeting. See, so fully persuaded that that's not where we want to live and how we want to live. And then be fully persuaded that your God is more real than your fear. And that'll help you. Oh, you have good days and bad days. But get that back to that place because we need to be people with enduring faith. Amen? I just want to say this in closing. This was strong on my heart. I shared it this morning. I want to share it with you. I want... To be a church that keeps their eyes on a big, strong, powerful, miracle working God. I want to be a church in the midst of what's happening today that knows what it is to be, that, to be fully persuaded that our God is more real than our fears today. I want to be a church that in 2020 is more, is developing more their faith than their fear. And that's what God's calling us to do. And I want to encourage you that today. But this day, 2020, are you kidding me? It's the perfect time to develop our faith. It's the perfect time to be fully persuaded that our God is more real and greater and stronger than our fear. And lead this area and this world in knowing that. And you know what the result of that was? Moses delivered a whole people. Come on, church. God's a big and faithful God. We're going to trust him. We're going to follow him every day. we're going to have good days and bad days. We're going to get back up and we're going to keep going. We are going to be a people that has developed greater faith. For we will endure seeing him who is invisible. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org